This is the BYO Brand Podcast, the creative incubator and branding launchpad for brazen entrepreneurs. Fearless enough to blow that damn proverbial box up. If that's you, welcome to the virtual space where you can learn how to make your mark. It's like the blueprints to turn your business into a brand and your brand into an icon. So tune in, turn it up, and step up to the virtual soapbox hosted by yours truly, me, Hannah Laham, and let's start a digital riot. Well, hey there, fellow badasses. Happy freaking October. If you've been tuning in with me these past couple of weeks, I really want you to know how hard you rock. And seriously, thank you. Every time I'm notified that yet another person has downloaded and joined the fold, it's like a happy dance happening over here. And if you're new to the podcast, you can bet there's a happy dance going to happen for you anytime now. <laughs> if you haven't subscribed and reviewed the podcast, guys, please go forth and click that subscribe button, review it, and tell everybody what you think. This is huge. Apparently, it's going to send a signal out to the universe and the SEO gods, and it's going to tell everybody that people value and love the podcast, helping other ambitious badasses find our little nook of cyberspace. Oh, and lastly, there's one more slice of house business before we can get down to the real stuff. I'm really stoked to tell you guys that we are officially accepting questions. So send them. Send all of them to shout out at byobrandpodcast.com subject line, put me on air. And I will actually respond and answer them on air. And if you're kind of feeling nervous, we can leave it anonymous. Just don't put your name or do however you like. Because branding and getting your business out there can kind of get people freaked out. So reach out. All right, guys, let's get to it. Money. Oh, money. How we love you when you flow and we hate you when you don't appear. Hands down, this is the part of freelancing that causes the most extreme reactions. Heck, this is the part of life that drives people to lunacy, right? When we have money and we're making it, we stress less, we smile more, and we stay healthy. But if that rock star client doesn't call, it's like Mr. Hyde just took over the wheel and our middle finger makes an appearance at anyone who deigns to drive in our general vicinity. I'm hoping that's not me. No, I think it's all of us. <laughs> Quoting rates to relative strangers and committing to a self-assessed value is kind of all in a day's work when you're a freelancer. And the money part can be intimidating. From pricing strategies and determining how much to charge to getting paid... This is the user-friendly episode that's going to walk you through all of that simply without yanking your hair out. So buckle up, guys. Let's do it. Quoting and setting your rates is a delicate balance. And it really is. Honestly, this episode didn't just pop out of the clouds. It was something that, I mean... Honestly, before every quote I send, I still do that oh shit dance pacing in front of the screen. And I'm not alone. Most freelancers that I know, expert or otherwise, still get that spike of anxiety when they're faced with standing up for what they're worth. I always envision my neighbors sitting with like a large bowl of popcorn, watching through the windows as the curly lady yet again holds a whole stage and flurry of the hands and whatnot. 
Even when you've been at this for a hot minute, it does take a certain amount of moxie to not only know your worth, but quote it to someone on the other side of the screen that you've never met before. And the goal is to find that sweet spot. The best advice, my first advice, and the only advice I've ever asked on this, to be honest, other than bitching about it with friends, was by my mentor, Aileen Bennett. You can check her out over at creatingclever.com. She is the most imaginative, brilliant person on the planet. Anyways, her advice to me was the right number is the one that's going to make you and the client both slightly uncomfortable, but not necessarily scared. So the right number is always going to be that bittersweet median where you and the client can kind of coexist in relative peace and happiness. Because let's be honest, quoting too high could cost you the project and quoting too low is going to feel you leaving angsty and undervalued and resentful people don't deliver extraordinary results. Fact. (laughs) In the early days of quoting clients, you're probably going to experience something I've lovingly dubbed as freelancer bipolarism. A condition where the quoter dwells in a mental purgatory of sorts, affected by drastic, frequent emotional mood swings. You may find yourself on the edge of your seat, refreshing scent quotes every couple of minutes, and the lows are going to come in the form of laptops being thrown. And at times, total disconnection from all digital devices is advisable. I heard about all this from a friend. (laughs) Not. (laughs) This is totally first-hand knowledge. Ask any established freelancer how they price their work and you can sit back and be prepared for an infinite flurry of answers. Going into this mosh pit, you're going to need to know that there's no one way to rule them all. And the good news is that you can avoid most of this, quoting Gray, by taking the logical approach. Step one in figuring out how much to charge for your services starts by selecting the pricing strategy that best works for you. Has anyone ever told you that you should only do what you're good at? Yeah, that's what I'm fixing to do because numbers are not something I'm good at. So when we're going through these four principal pricing strategies, you're going to be hard pressed to find a single number. I'm going to break it down nice and easy like. (laughs) So the first one is competition based strategy. You may believe that your skills are the Taj Mahal of the marketplace, but if freelancers of the same caliber are bidding on the same job and your quote is astronomically larger, you'd better have the gumption to stand up real tall to defend that quote and be prepared to hear the word no. Anything's possible, but when the bills are due, you might want to take a look around at what other freelancers at your skill level in your industry are charging for similar projects. And that is what we call competition-based strategy or market-based pricing. The internet is one of your greatest assets. You know that. So you can compare by trade, location, experience. All of these professional-based associations are just a resource to kind of help you when you're using competition-based strategies. So there's the National Writers Union, the Professional Association for Design, Professional Photographers of America, and the American Marketing Association. Obviously, there's a bajillion more, and if you're interested in any of those, you'll be able to check them out. Under the episode description, there's a link. Take that link to the show notes where I've posted all of them and links to them. See how nice I am? You don't even have to stop what you're doing.
one is demand-based pricing. And you've probably seen or heard about people doing this because it's pretty popular among freelancers. Some freelancers are going to charge more or less depending on the demand and seasonality of an item or a service. And nothing, and I mean nothing, is going to explain this approach better than the national toilet paper famine of 2020. (laughs) Before COVID, toilet paper was just the mundane expense of existing. During the pandemic, TP became a commodity. People eBayed it five times the typical price. And we, the people, bought it, made memes about it, and rationed pieces of it. That totally happened. And then there was cost plus pricing. This concept is one we're all pretty much familiar with. Make something and sell that something for more than you spent making it because bills. Cost plus pricing asks you to calculate the cost associated with your product or service and then add a stress tax, aka profit margin of about 10 to 30 percent to the final price tag. Personally, I struggle with this model for freelancers who have an intangible skill because how exactly does one quantify the cost of a mission statement? I mean, it's the foundation of a brand's entire operations, right? But Would anybody pay the majillion dollars I think it's worth? My personal favorite way to appraise the value of my labor and the fruits of my overeducated brain is number four, value-based pricing. In this model, there's no such thing as an all-you-can-eat buffet at a single cost, nor are there one-size-fit-all project quotes. Can I get an amen? Pricing by the value allows you, the freelancer, to gauge the client, their expectations, and willingness to pay, giving you the freedom to custom quote every project individually. I like to think of it this way. Two prospective clients call, and both want a price on product branding for the same product to the same audience. How much should I charge? Well, what if on the consultation call, client number one drops their brand name, and it's Apple calling? because they heard about my epic skills. (laughs) And then client number two turns out to be this brilliant duo who have imagineered a product for the past five years and are ready to go to market. Two clients are better than one, so obviously I'm going to partner with both of them, but am I going to charge them the same? Would you? With value-based pricing, you can provide your superior service to both companies in a way that both you and the client wins. But wait, there's more. Depending on your service, you can then decide, will you be pricing by the project or by the hour? This, guys, is the great freelancer debate where many a smackdown has been had. Once you've selected a pricing strategy, then you have to look at by the hour or by the project. And I could lay this section out as the many angry people who have come before me, including a lengthy biased pros and cons list, ending with my staunch stance, of course. But let's just not. Weigh your business and its needs when listening to the next bit and go with the option that's practical for you and yours. Because guess what? If you try one and it falls flat, you can always change your mind. As a freelancer, you have the flexibility to choose your own path as many times as you'd like. But P.S., clients do prefer consistency, so maybe not change your mind every day or every week, right? 
let's kick it off with the hourly approach. So when you're going by the hour, this is going to ensure that every second of your time is billable. Phone call, bill it. Editing, bill that too. (laughs) If you're working on a client's project in any capacity, you, friend, can charge for it. This one's going to be a stellar option for freelancers hired to fill a position with a never-ending to-do list, like virtual assistants and social media managers and content strategists. I mean, it's pretty difficult to be screwed over by things like scope creep and underquoting when you're being paid by the hour. But keep in mind that this approach is going to take self-discipline and time management skills. So if that's not you, you might want to go to the buy the project part. Because if you're charging for it, you got to be able to account for it. And then there was the buy the project approach, which is kind of a win-win situation for both client and creative when it comes to the large one-off projects like branding and website development or design collaterals. For clients, it means paying a single cost for a single project, removing any budgetary ambiguity and restricted time allotments. Oh, and there's edits. That's included in that fixed cost. For freelancers, it means badasses getting paid for badass work. Not to mention, it's one heck of an incentive to bust butt wrapping up the project in record time. Less time for the same amount of pay. I don't care who you are, that's called winning. All around, this option lets everyone take a big sigh of relief, and it kind of allows for the primary focus of the working relationship to be on what's being created, rather than micromanagement of the details, which for most of us, we don't appreciate at all. Oh, and of course, this is not a flawless system. (coughs) Scope creep. But if freelancing is your way to workforce it, then you can avoid issues like scope creep by being prepared with one heck of a contract and being upfront with your clients from day one. Fast forward and pretend that you just nailed your dream client and wrapped up the first deliverable. And finally, it's time to watch the numbers wash over your account like a make it rain stick. But how is it getting there? Even freelancing titans are going to have moments when money makes them quake. Because this can be a seriously uncomfortable topic, especially if you haven't discussed this shit like the when, the where, the how, all of it with your client before payday comes around. But guys, guys, money is what makes your freelancing life possible. Billing, invoices, getting paid, it's a part of your business. So comfortable or not, you gotta handle it. And how you choose to do that all depends on where you and that client are working from. So if you met on a freelancer platform, I've got sort of good news. Platforms like Upwork and most of the details are going to be worked into the initial contract signed between you and said client. They act as like a mediator. So they'll provide support for both parties in case of monetary disputes or disagreements and whatnot. Many of the top rated talent pool and networking sites, they're built in with automated features which will ping annoy your client with failed payment reminders and invoices, which will give you more time to focus on the things you do best. 
But the not-so-great news, and listen to this part if you kind of tuned out for a second. The not-so-great news is that you have to think about freelancing platforms like birth control. They're good for 99.9% of potential faux pas, but we all know that it only takes that once to fall into the 1% category. I've seen freelancers and clients lose thousands of dollars on these sites, believing the system to be the ultimate form of protection. But guess who never loses? The platform. Bad shit's going to happen to everyone at some point. So I'm not saying avoid them. I've used them from time to time. Nothing in life is going to be fail-proof. But always go into this applying a touch of skepticism because this is your business. And if you're aware and alert, you might be able to avoid the random freelancer fallouts. Oh, ooh, last thing. Heads up. Most of these platforms, if not all, charge the freelancer and the client a pretty penny for their services. The percentage and frequency is going to depend on which platform you've decided to call home, but we're talking about 20% plus in some cases. But just, just because that fee is required, that doesn't mean that you necessarily need to be the one paying. Huh? Got your attention. Personally, if the project is on the lean side, I'll lose a few dollars in pay. I have no problem because I know that showing generosity where you can will earn you a returning client for life in some cases. On the other hand, if it's a formidable sum, I'm tacking it onto my formal proposal as an administration fee, making sure to break down each and every cost for the client so they know that I'm not the one who required that administration fee. In Money Matters, I say weigh each project independently and let your gut take the wheel. For those of you who opt out of the platform situation, you're a solo lancer. And whether you've established a business, accruing a small militia of word-of-mouth clients, or you've decided that you're a lone wolf, flying solo does mean a bit more upfront legwork. But don't worry, freelancing today means that most things can be taken care of with automation. So here's a couple of helpful tips that'll protect your bottom line. Payment policies. Develop and place sound policies and procedures into your contracts, i.e. late payments, payment failure and terms, extraction dates, anything you can put in there to spell out every detail and common sense jargon that leaves nothing to chance. <laughs> nothing, seriously. Um, another one, rest assured, by never beginning a project without receiving some form of monetary assurance. Replay that one if you need to, because when someone's got skin in the game, the idea of pulling a disappearing act kind of loses its attraction. And you've got different ways to approach this. If it's a pay-by-the-hour client, require them to keep a card on file with an up-to-date signatory approval document or something that allows you to withdraw funds each month at a set date for the hours invoiced. Or you can require clients to fund like a working retainer, which will be paid in advance of the work. So rather than invoicing every week, you'll send a summary detailing the work you did, how much will be taken from the retainer, and how much is left in the retainer. That's so bad. Uh, 
For your pay by the project clients, you might want to consider something like an installment plan that allows clients to pay a set amount of milestones as they're achieved. So if a sizable project is going to inhibit your ability to work with other people on the side, I highly encourage my clients to pay a generous sum up front at a discounted rate so that I can float my business operations, spending 100% of my focus on the task at hand, and they love that. And a few suggestions just to keep the money straight, so keeping it consistent. Prior to the contract, guys, be crazy upfront and forthcoming about your policies. So if you say, I charge a 500% late fee for unpaid invoices past 10 days, do that. This is going to give people an instant out if you guys aren't a good fit, sparing you from the potential payment ghosts. And it happens. Good standing is another one. And this one is very much overlooked, but let me tell you, it has saved me from so many otherwise uncomfortable and sticky situations. Because I'm pretty blunt. I speak to my clients the way I speak to you guys, because they're people and we work on it and operate on a similar level. So they know when I say something, it's the truth. If I tell them I'm going to charge a certain amount, they believe that and vice versa. When they say they need something done in X amount of days, I believe them as well. It's about building a relationship that's founded on mutual trust and respect. And I guarantee you the odds of not getting paid significantly lessen if they like you who stiffs somebody they like, right? With the internet, you've got a million options. You always, 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 always should be paid. There's no excuse for a lack of compensation by a client. The goal is to meet clients halfway with as many payment options as possible. Because sometimes running a business means that the credit card is tied up for a month in a massive purchase order and the bank account is temporarily dry. That's why you give them more options. PayPal, Square, Do, Hello Bonsai, Bill. I'll link a couple of the, the ones I just said and a couple in the show notes for you to check out. But the more payment options, the more likely it is that you're not going to get an excuse but a payment. One last thing, and I'm going to zip it. Guys, charge your worth. Setting your rates is not only about experience and target audiences. It's about confidence. I mean it. Look at it this way. I was born a writer, but at some point, I was the one who stopped believing that I could charge for it. My working experience said things like entrepreneur, creative thinker, big-haired boss lady, everything else except for writer, despite the fact that I literally wrote entire books in my spare time. In retrospect, my first year of freelancing kind of resembles like $39 to $50 an hour of, please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> for each and every day of self-imposed peasantry, though, I, I still think back to me explaining my fees to my partner, who even on my worst day thought each of my pieces were Pulitzer-worthy. He saw something that I just couldn't, and little by little, his squawks drove me insane. I mean, we would go through it all the time. So I would tack on an additional like $5 here, 
$10 here just to shut him up. Until one day, I, I literally lost my shit and I was determined that I was going to show him. So I quoted a prospective client $10,000 for a project. $10,000. Four zeros and the cost of my life for three months and I freaking got it. I'm not shitting you. I got it. The client literally responded with an, oh, that's not so bad. Not bad? $10,000 is thousandaire territory. That's the day I realized that I, folks, was the one squawking. And thinking back on how much I lost by not having faith in my skills, just, it makes me ill. So I've changed my quoting tactics. You shouldn't feel bad for charging what you're worth. Does the mechanic feel bad for charging you a house note for fixing the vehicle you're going to need to pay him? Nope. Because he's confident in his work and expertise. An expertise, by the way, that you can't do yourself without devoting years to acquiring knowledge and slumming it in an open-air auto shop. Rates are a price tag on your expertise and skills, not you. You, friend, are an invaluable asset that no monetary value can ever accurately appreciate. Deciding how to charge for the contents of your particular brain is art. It's art that's going to take practice. Setting your rates as a freelancer, it's going to take time, but wherever you are in your journey to hustling in your jammies from home, don't forget to give yourself a little grace. What do you do and how do you charge for it? If you've got a good story that's going to make a freelancer with training wheels smile or feel confident about themselves, share. It goes a long way, guys. Be sure to add your tail in the comments below or shout out on any platform at BYO Brand. And like and subscribe because it's the right thing to do. Do it now. And don't forget that if you have a question that you're dying to ask, send that to shout out at BYOBrandPodcast.com for an on-air answer. Until next time, badasses, go out, break some glass ceilings, and come back to tell us about it.